Hey, another great episode of Roundup is coming up next. If you like what you heard, please go online to redsearadio.org and donate, become a monthly sustaining member, and keep us on the air. Thank you and God bless. Good morning! It is Wednesday, August 4th, 2021. You're listening to the Red Sea Roundup. Thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Deacon Mike Beauvais. Today, as always, we have a great show in store for you. We're going to be talking with Dr. Joe Poyman about his work at the Texas Alliance for Life and some of the recent positive news on the life front. Dr. Poyman is the founder and executive director of the Texas Alliance for Life, a nonpartisan, non-sectarian pro-life organization, and their goal is to protect innocent human life from conception through natural death using peaceful legal means. Dr. Poyman holds a Ph.D. in aerospace engineering from the University of Texas at Austin, a Bachelor's of Science in aerospace engineering, and a Bachelor of Arts in philosophy, both from the University of Notre Dame. We're going to ask him how he got to be in the field he's in now. His professional work experience includes three years as an engineer at NASA's Johnson Space Center in Houston. I'm fascinated to talk to Dr. Poyman this uh, morning. But first, as always, want to welcome everyone listening to us on KEDC 88.5 FM Hearn Bryan College Station. And a welcome to our Central Texas listeners on KYAR 98.3 FM Lorena Waco. And also a shout-out to everyone listening to us in Palestine on KINF 107.9 FM. And we are live this morning, so if there's something you want to share with us about your parish or what's going on, give us a call at 85-LOVE-RED-SEA. That's 855-683-7332. And as usual, I am joined in the studio this morning by our station director, Dr. Thaddeus Romanski. Good morning, Deacon Mike. Glad to be back in the old production chair with you again. Yes. Last couple of times I've had to have, you know, a substitute Mm -hmm. and, you know, Dennis is a nice guy, but, you know, it's nice to have you back. Oh, I appreciate that. Speaking of, the reason I'm in the producer's chair this morning is because our very special Dennis Maka is uh, recovering from COVID-19 at home. He's doing well. We want to let everyone know that he is back at home. He uh, is finishing his quarantine today, and he is recovering well, and all of his family is recovering well so Thank you for the prayers. I know there were a lot of people praying for him and his family as they fought through that um, affliction. And it's a reminder that, you know, we need to keep all our friends and family members and fellow parishioners in our prayers to protect them from illness and support them when they're ill and always keep them in mind in our prayers. Speaking of which... As usual, during the year of St. Joseph, we're starting the show with our prayer to St. Joseph. So, if everyone wouldn't mind, let's begin in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. O blessed Joseph, faithful guardian of my Redeemer, Jesus Christ, 
protector of your chaste spouse, the Virgin Mother of God, I choose you this day to be my special patron and advocate, and I firmly resolve to honor you all the days of my life. Therefore, I humbly call on you to receive me as your adopted child, to instruct me in every doubt, to comfort me in every affliction, to obtain from me all the knowledge and love of the sacred heart of Jesus, and finally, to defend and protect me at the hour of my death. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And a reminder that during the year of St. Joseph, that prayer carries with it a plenary indulgence instead of usual partial indulgence. And again, a plenary indulgence is the complete remission of the temporal punishment due to sin, which has already been forgiven. Through the sacrament of confession. confession. Very good. And you can offer this indulgence, especially for a deceased family member's release from purgatory, because again, it's a plenary indulgence. So that's right, indeed. Now, um, I a little bird told me that uh, something we were going to be discussing in the first part of the show this morning is uh, that today, September first, is the World Day of Prayer for the Care of Cre- Creation. Correct. Now, that's basically a Catholic Earth Day, is what you're telling exactly, me. Exactly. Yes. Uh, that's all is, there is to it. Uh, not exactly. Uh, Pope Francis. Uh, Following his encyclical Laudato Si, mm-hmm. uh, initiated the World Day of Care of Creation on September 1st to remind us that as Christians, we are called to be stewards of the world around us. Indeed. And so um, it is always a good reminder that when we look around and we see the beauty of the world that we live in, that it is our job to keep it that way. And so often we get off on tangents and, you know, we complain about, you know, well, this is, uh, you know, somebody talking about global warming and all this sort of thing. No, what we're talking about is taking care of the world we live in, Mm -hmm. picking up our Mm -hmm. trash, conserving water when we can, doing the things that we should be doing so that we take care of the world around us. And one thing that I find absolutely fascinating that we so often don't think about is what was Adam's job in the Garden of Eden? Uh, He was supposed to uh, name all the animals and... uh Take care, take care of, of the garden. Very well, yes. Adam's job was basically to be the gardener in the uh, Garden yeah, yeah. of Eden. That's a good shorthand for it. He was the gardener. Yes. The gardener of Eden. Exactly. His job description had it on his yes. resume. It was Adam, work experience, gardener of Eden. Exactly. He left off the lying and uh, that, that part, right? Exactly. So, but... What we tend not to think of is that Jesus is the new Adam. So it is not by coincidence. Yes, he is. Yes. So it is not by coincidence that when Mary Magdalene encounters Jesus after the resurrection, she does not recognize him. That's right. She She thinks he's the the gardener. Exactly. Ah. So why is 
Jesus mistaken for the gardener. Yeah, why is he? Because he is the new gardener. He is the one who is now recreating the world we live in. Mm. And our job as followers of Christ, as Christians, therefore is exactly that. We too are called to recreate the world we live in. And so part of that, of course, is what Pope Francis calls us to on the national, uh, the World Day of Prayer for the Care of Creation, to remind us that God created the world to be good, mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. our job to keep it that way. Now, if I can make a little, if I can jump in here, make a little connection to our guest coming up in the second part of the show, Dr. Poyman and his work with the Texas Alliance for Life. I believe in Laudato Si. There are a couple of places where uh, the Holy Father talks about the idea of human ecology. Yes. And he makes the point that the consumerist world that we live in, this throwaway culture that we live in, even has this throwaway attitude towards humanity and human beings. And primarily, first among the way that it takes a a throwaway um, attitude towards humans is through Abortion. That human beings are disposable. They can be dispensed with if they are not convenient. Euthanasia falls into that category as well. Yes. And which points towards something that Pope Emeritus Benedict said. And he said that the brutal consumption of creation begins where God is missing, where matter has become simply material for us where we ourselves are the ultimate measure, where everything is simply our property. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what he is saying is that when we remove God from the equation of the world we live in, then the only person we're answerable to is ourselves. And that's a dangerous place to be. A very dangerous place to be because then the decisions I make are strictly based on what's good for me. Mm Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that is the antithesis of Christianity. Yeah, and that was enshrined, you know, people comment on this a lot, in the argument by Justice Kennedy in Planned Parenthood versus Casey in 1992 when he you know, infamously said that basically the whole heart of freedom and self-determination is to, is to make, the, make the universe whatever you, you want it to be, to make the world whatever you want want it to be. Which again is an example of removing God from exactly our life because we're not asking to follow God's plan for the world. We're saying that we're going to create the world in our image and likeness, which again makes us God, which is again back to the Garden of Eden, which is where the problem started in the first place. Right. And so, uh, yes, uh, good point that, um, you know, we have slowly but surely moved from that notion in the beginning of our republic that said that we're endowed by our creator with certain inalienable rights. That's right. We have now moved that we're endowed by ourselves. Or by government. Or by government, uh, and um, 
those rights come strictly based on what we feel, not what is right or wrong. And so, again, as we celebrate this World Day of Prayer for the care of creation, let's be mindful that it starts with realizing that it is God's world. It does not belong to us. It belongs to him. And he has made us stewards of that world. And so as we make our way through this world, let's think of it as beautiful. And let's make sure that it stays that way. Well said. Well said. And uh, if you like what you're hearing and you uh, you enjoy Red Sea Roundup and you're a faithful supporter of Red Sea Catholic Radio, well, I want to let you know before we uh, go to the break that uh, our benefit dinner, our annual benefit dinner is coming up. We're having it. Very quickly. November 11th here in Bryan College Station at the Brazos Center. November 12th, very next day, in Waco at the Knights of Columbus in West. Get your tickets now. You can go to redsearadio.org slash benefit. Get your tickets either for your Brazos Valley benefit or for your Waco benefit. I mean, if you wanted to, I guess you could come to both. You'd get a ticket for each. I mean, nobody's going to stop you. Nobody's going to stop you at the door at Waco and say, I I saw you at Brazos Valley Benefit last night. You can't come. No, you can come to both if you want, folks. And I'm sure we'd love to have you. I'm sure Thaddeus will throw in some frequent flyer mileage if you go to both. Well, I don't know about that. I don't. I can't pull those kind of strings. Don't be telling people that. Don't be making people think that I can pull those kind of strings. Deacon Mike. But yeah, go to redsearadio.org slash benefit and get your tickets, your individual tickets, or buy yourself a table starting at $500, and then you can invite uh, yourself and uh, seven of your, your closest friends to sit at the table with you and enjoy the Catholic Man Show guys are going to be our hosts, our speakers. And they are a blast. They are. Adam Minahan and David Niles are a real hoot, but they are also very, very well-formed Catholics, and they have a lot of great things to say about living a full-frequency Catholic life. And uh, Deacon Mike just turned off the screen on me on my timer. So we're going to go to break now. And who are we going to have on the other side, Deacon Mike? We are talking to Dr. Joe Poyman about the Texas Alliance for Life and... We'll see you on the other side. Don't go anywhere, folks. Tune back in. Dr. Joe Poyman, Texas Alliance for Life. See you then. And we're back, and as promised, we're going to be talking with Dr. Joe Poyman about his work at the Texas Alliance for Life. And again, the Texas Alliance for Life is a non-partisan, non-sectarian, pro-life organization whose goal is to protect innocent human life from conception through natural death using peaceful legal means. Good morning, Dr. Poyman. How are you? Good morning, Deacon Mike. We are terrific. 
and it is good to talk to you, especially, you know, uh, today is September 1st, and there is something significant about today as far as life is concerned. This is an extraordinary day. This is the day that several bills go into effect, not the least of which is the Texas Heartbeat Act. That is the law that protects unborn babies from the tragedy of abortion when the heartbeat of the unborn child is detected, and that's typically as early as six weeks in, in, into the pregnancy. Wow. Wonderful news. Now, before we go into some of these details, one thing I wanted to ask is, how does someone working for NASA move from there to founding and being the uh, executive director of a nonprofit for life? Oh, that's a great question. And <laughs> lots of people do ask me that question. I started out my career as an aerospace engineer working at Johnson Space Center, just around, down the road from you all. I worked there for several years and, I, and um, this the, without getting to the long answer, you know, it's just a question of following what God wants us to do. And while I was in graduate school at here in Austin, won't mention the name of the university, um, <laughs> studying aerospace engineering for a PhD, I got I started realizing that my true calling at that time, and I continue, I believe is continuing the case, is to work in the pro-life movement. I was involved as a volunteer, became more and more involved, and now, Deacon Mike, I'm just way over my head. And I have been executive director of this organization for um, more than 25 years, and have been lobbying in the state capitol for a few years longer than that. So like three decades I've been involved in working for pro-life laws in the Texas capitol. Now, this is one thing that I was wondering about, because when you're working in an industry or working for a government agency like NASA, it's that's one thing when you interact with people. Now, interacting with state government, now that's a totally different ball of wax. How long did it get oh, it you to different. get used to this? You know, um, Deacon Mike, I'm one of those people who would have been happy going through life in my steel case cubicle, answering a phone maybe three times a day, um, not dealing with uh, very many people, and just working on my little problems. I was very happy doing that. God has called me to come way out of my comfort zone and get involved in the Texas, la in the Texas legislature, working with volunteers, lawyers, uh, fundraisers, all that great stuff. And now I think of it as a much more multi-dimensional problem. But I have uh, I've learned to love what I do. This is what I believe God is calling me to do. And I think uh, it's always reassuring to look back and think, good grief, we have really made some changes in Texas. And not just our organization, but together uh, over the last three decades, it's been incredible the number of pro-life laws that have passed that are reducing abortions, protecting mothers and unborn babies from abortions. The number of pro-life pregnancy resource centers that have, including Bryan College Station, um, church-based Gabriel projects, maternity homes. Um, it's, there are hundreds of organizations like that across the state of Texas. So overall, abortions have gone from more than 90,000 every year in Texas at the worst to 
it's still it's still horrendous, but still uh, now the latest numbers show 54,000 abortions every year. During that time, the population of Texas and the population of women of childbearing years has increased enormously. And that means the abortion rates have plummeted to numbers never seen before since Roe versus Wade was first passed 48 years ago. So there's tremendous gains. And again, it's not just Texas Alliance for Life. We've played a part of it. But the, the culture of life in Texas has been incredible how it's changing. Now, overall, what kind of reception do you get when you go to the state capitol to approach our senators and our legislators about these issues? Oh, what kind of reception do we get? Very good reception. It is a pro-life legislature. So let's start with the Governor Greg Abbott, very pro-life. Um, uh, parents of an adopted child, a child, no secret, was uh, brought to them uh, through a church-based Gabriel program, uh, program and uh, they are adopted that child, and she is now um, through in her college years. Um, they are very pro-life. The used to be that we had a very, a very unreceptive senator, uh, you know, legislature decades ago. Um, the legislature was not at all receptive, but over the years, as more and more pro-life members populated those seats, those offices in the House and the Senate. Um, it's just a, it's a delightful place to work, not without opposition. The, the abortion opponents are very formidable. But for the last 10 years and more, the gains that Texas has made have been just incredible. And the uh, numbers of abortions in Texas every year have plummeted. That's really gratifying to see. One of the things that uh, I was wondering about, I noticed that you were named one of the most effective lobbyists in the state of Texas. And uh, I think in part because, you know, of the positive response you have gotten from these pro-life legislators. Yes, that's right. Um, I have been recognized as a very effective uh, grassroots lobbyist of a, of a cause and um, that is not me. Uh, yes, I spend a lot of time in the Capitol, and um, that is, we kind of haunt those halls. I like to say my staff and I are around as much as the roaches are in the Capitol. Um, it's, a, it's a delightful place to live because it's, uh, to work because it's the seat of government. That's where so many decisions are made. And um, we, we're very pleased to do that. The, um, but our our impact comes, one, from the force of arguments from the cause protecting unborn babies. Can there be a more noble cause? I mean, that's, that's the basis. Without the right to life, do we have any other rights? Of course not. So that's, that's very powerful. But what really brings our power is the, the, the fact that we have huge numbers of people in the grassroots um, around the state of Texas who are willing to contact their state senator and their state representative with a simple phone call or an email on a particular bill. And when those calls start coming in to the legislators, suddenly when I walk into someone's office, I'm a very important person because they know that I'm plugged in with people in the grassroots, in their districts, the people whom the state senators and representatives work for. So it's the, our, our power comes from the grassroots 
in the districts all around the state. And I will say your state senator that represents um, your areas from um, in Waco, um, in Bryan College Station, fantastic. Senator Schwartner, Senator Birdwell, fantastic. Super pro-life. Senator Schwartner authored the bill that banned the um, the use of baby body parts for research in Texas. That we hear about those horrendous things going on in California, other states. That's strictly illegal in Texas. Senator Schwartner, Senator Charles Schwartner, was the author of that bill. He's also authored a bill uh, that banned partial birth abortion. Senator Birdwell been fantastic on the life issue. Your state representatives, Representative Kyle Cassell and John Rainey in. Bryan College Station area, fantastic. So you're sending great folks in, and the reason they can confidently vote pro-life is they know they have support back home, and probably they've received a lot of calls from people who are listening right now. It makes a huge difference. Now, this uh, we're not going to talk about the special session yet. The last legislative session, there were several big wins for the pro-life movement, would you talk about some of those? One of the things I always like to talk about is the alternatives to abortion funding. And the Texas legislature over the years has continued to increase funding for a very high, highly successful program called the Alternatives to Abortion Program. And they fund pregnancy help centers, pregnancy centers and maternity homes across the state that help women with a an unplanned pregnancy, millions of dollars a year. And that's such a wonderful thing that not all states have. And I think we are probably the, um, we're probably the, one of the top, uh, the top leaders uh, across the country who have, have funding that. Now, with the legislature first just passed this most recent regular session, for the next two-year budget, beginning today, September 1, is $100 million for the highly successful Alternatives to Abortion program. Their goal, Deacon Mike, is to help 150,000 clients every year. And that's that's just huge. I just don't think any state can come close to doing that. Um, and as abortions becomes illegal as unborn children are protected from the tragedy of abortion by these laws that the legislature have passed, women need alternatives to abortion. Last year, 2020, there were 54,000 abortions every year, each one a preventable tragedy. We have the resources for women who are seeking alternatives to abortion, and um, that, that that's absolutely critical. Um, uh, another law that was passed uh, last session uh, during the spring was, of course, the Texas Heartbeat Act. We're talking about that already. And another bill that we're really proud of called the Human Life Protection Act. When the Supreme Court changes the terrible precedent of Roe v. Wade and another case called Planned Parenthood v. Casey, those are the states that prevent, I'm sorry, those are the, the precedents the Supreme Court rulings that prevent states like Texas from banning abortion before viability, before the child is viable. That's about halfway through pregnancy. Um, when they change those precedents, our law, the Human Life Protection Act, is going to go into effect almost immediately and be, 
begin protecting unborn children to the extent of Allah that the Supreme Court allows. And that could be as early as conception, fertilization. And for anybody who's been around in the pro-life movement for any length of time, they know that this is the goal of the pro-life movement, complete protection for those unborn babies and complete um, and providing alternatives to abortion. So we had an extremely successful regular session that, that was going on during the spring, ended in, in May. And um, while we didn't get everything passed, and some of those things we'll talk about in a minute during the special session, but we were just really delighted. Governor Greg Abbott, very pro-life, was super happy to sign those into the law, and those measures passed by a wide margin in both the Senate and the House. I just want to remind our listeners, we're talking with Dr. Joe Poyman, the founder and executive director for the Texas Alliance for Life. Now, I had a question. We were talking about the funding for pregnancy alternative uh, uh, pregnancy centers. And I'm wondering what kind of, when you're presenting this, how would someone defend being against this? Because I'm sure you've got some of the legislators that, you know, have an argument that we shouldn't be spending money this way. What would their argument be? That's a really good question, Deacon Mike. And, and I try to think of it from their point of view. And their point of view is that the money is not well spent. It should be spent on other things. Um, that this is, in fact, I heard one member on the legislature, uh, on the member of the House, say on the House floor that it's a complete, the funding for the alternatives to abortion is a complete waste of time that these pregnancy centers, they, they make claims that are untrue, that these our centers are, are giving misinformation to women deliberately and so forth. I think I can say probably with almost 100% certainty that none of the opponents of this program have ever stepped into a pregnancy center, a pro-life pregnancy center. And if they were to step in there, they'd get a very nice tour and they would get a, a very informative um, tour about the wonderful services that these agencies provide free of charge to a pregnant woman. All their services are free. It will include basics like you know counseling, uh, emotional support, um, and, and some material help like uh, maternity clothes for the, for the mother, uh, baby clothes for the babies, diapers, and so forth. But a lot of times, a lot more, like programs for substance abuse and domestic violence and um, referrals to government agencies like the Medicaid program, which would pay for childbirth if the woman is a lower income. Half of all abortion, uh, half of all babies born in Texas are paid for by the Medicaid program, and most people don't know that. So they provide wonderful services, and those services continue for 36 months after the birth of the baby. Even if the woman has placed the baby for adoption, those services continue for her, counseling and so forth, sometimes job skills. So it's a wonderful program. It's well worth funding at the levels that we are. I'm very proud of that program, and I really don't see anyone who's informed about the program opposing it. The reason I brought this up is because one of the big knocks on the pro-life movement is that the only thing we care about is stopping abortion and we do nothing for the women. And, you know, from what you've been saying, this is clearly not true. And so someone opposing the funding for this is 
basically just trying to justify their position that, well, the pro-life movement doesn't do anything for women. And so, you oh, know, yeah. Yeah, misconception and frankly, nonsense. And um, uh, I think anyone who's familiar with these programs and the uh, the women who go through those programs have very give those programs very high favorable ratings. So I, I just don't think those objections are hold up water. I, I don't think they're well in, given by well informed people. And the other thing that you mentioned, and this is, you know, the emotional support which is something that when you listen to women that regret their abortions, this is not something you receive from Planned Parenthood. And, you know... That's really interesting. Now, one thing people need to know that, uh, first of all, Planned Parenthood receives no tax dollars anywhere in the state of Texas from the state. They have been totally cut out of the Medicaid program because of fraud being found... Uh, um, guilty of fraudulently using our tax dollars with re- with respect to harvesting of baby body parts in violation of federal law. They were cut out of the Medicaid program. They don't receive any uh, funding for family planning at the state level. They don't receive any funding for family planning or any other services at the state, at the local levels. The legislature two years ago passed a really strong law that prevented any abortion provider or affiliate of abortion provider from receiving any tax dollars across the board. So that's that's a really important thing to know. Planned Parenthood's not whatever they're doing, they're not getting our tax dollars to do it. Another thing people need to know is that a woman will not see a physician at Planned Parenthood unless she is there for an abortion. She's not if she goes there for birth control, contraceptives, um screening for cervical cancer. Now, there will be, she will not see a physician unless she's there for an abortion. And they oppose the requirement that physicians perform, only, only physicians perform abortions in Texas. They'd like to have non-physicians perform abortions, but the, the law requires physicians. And a third thing people need to know is their services are very, um, very inadequate. They're not comprehensive and they provide a very narrow range of services to low-income women. And typically, for example, if a woman wants to have a mammogram, Planned Parenthood has no mammogram machines. I can assure people of that because there's a, a, a list of licensed mammogram machines in the state of Texas because they are, they are uh, licensed, they provide radiation and so forth. Planned Parenthood doesn't hold any of those licenses. So if a woman goes to Planned Parenthood seeking a mammogram, they're not, she's not going to get it there. They, she has to go somewhere else. So they provide very few services for women, um, and they certainly don't provide comprehensive services like a woman would receive at a, um, at a state or, or federally funded clinic. Well, let's move on to the special session. Uh, what were some of the laws that were picked up during the special section, uh, session that speak to our efforts, our pro-life efforts? Oh, well, the, um, the, the principal goal that the pro-life movement, and when I speak for, say, the pro-life movement, I want to just commend some of our partners, and the principal partner being the Texas Catholic Conference of Bishops. I really do believe that the most effective pro-life organization in the legislature is the Texas Catholic Conference of Bishops. That's the 
the dioceses collectively get together, the bishops do, and they have an executive director who lobbies in Austin. They have a very small but effective staff, and they do just a fantastic job. Also, a group out of um, Arlington called Texans for Life, Susan B. Anthony is Anthony List was one of our partners, and then a host of other organizations. We all worked together and got a, a bill passed called Senate Bill 4. There's a great need to increase uh, uh, the safety protocols at abortion facilities in Texas when the abortion is being done with the chemical means, the abortion pill. And that is greatly needed. Um, the FDA is relaxing its safety protocols, which Texas has depended on, those safety protocols are going away. Believe it or not, the uh, FDA is allowing abortion pills to be delivered through the mail without even a physician actually examining a, one, a woman. And that's, um, that is very, very dangerous. So Texas got this law passed. It's been our goal for a long time. And that is called SB4. It bans mail-order chemical abortions. Those are strictly banned right now. And it established protocols, safety protocols, at the abortion facilities across Texas to ensure the, the safety of women at abortion facilities. So that was authored by a pro-life Democrat who is from Harlingen, Senator Eddie Lucio Jr. Um, I'm sorry, from, he's actually from Brownsville a pro-life Democrat and also a pro-life Republican in the House, State Representative Stephanie Click. She's from Fort Worth. Um, she's also a nurse. And the uh, um, that just got passed a couple of days ago, Deacon Mike. The governor will sign it into law, we think, in a matter of days or weeks, and it will be effective. It'll go into effect later this fall. Wonderful. Now, um, there were a couple of legal decisions that also were positives. For instance, the Federal Fifth Court of Appeals upheld the Texas ban on life, uh, live dismemberment abortions. Uh, yes, that was, um, we've been waiting for that for for months and months. And they, um, after a lot of legal jostling back and forth, they ruling um, what they, what's called en banc, all the judges sitting together made a ruling that and it was not unanimous, but they made a ruling that Texas could begin enforcing the dismemberment ban. That's a ban not on abortion, but a frequently used method of abortion in the second trimester. It's particularly horrendous, where the child, without getting graphic, is is a dismembered, ripped apart piece by piece with pliers in the womb. And what this law merely did, and the abortion providers objected oh, with so strenuously, all this required is that since the Supreme Court doesn't allow the state to ban abortion, what this method does is just require that the child be killed with a lethal injection before the abortion dismemberment process began. So it banned live dismemberment abortions, but not dismemberment of the child who has already been killed. Abortion providers uh, claim that this, uh, my, I'm using hyperbole, but that the sun would no longer rise in the east and set in the west if this law went into effect. Well, it is, it is in effect. Um, the sun is still rising and setting, 
and uh, abortion still continues, but the abortion providers have had to show how gruesome their methods are. The word's out. The public can see that this is a, a, a terrible method of abortion. And let's contrast this with the with the uh, numbers of, patient, of families who wish to adopt babies in Texas and the number of uh, adoption agencies and maternity homes. We have help available to women. They don't have to seek out these horrendous methods of abortion. So um, that was a big, uh, a, a nice surprise to see that law have been upheld in the courts. But I think uh, listening to you, this is such a cohesive effort. When you think about, you know, the efforts to ban certain of the most gruesome methods of abortion, not that some of them are not, but also then working for funding to for women that choose to carry their children to term and focusing on then, you know, the families that are looking to adopt and there's, you know, a major lack of available children to adopt for couples that would like to do so and this would help towards that also. So it's much more of a cohesive effort to foster life in the state of Texas. It is. It is. And the pro-life movement has always about been protecting the unborn child from the tragedy of abortion and helping the pregnant mother with compassionate alternatives to abortion. That has been the two pillars of the pro-life movement since its beginning 48 years ago. That's always been what we're about. And now Texas has um, more than 200 pro-life pregnancy centers across the state. And they are in urban areas. They are in rural areas. They're in medium-sized communities. There's just so many of them. And the state of Texas is funding many of those, as, as we said earlier, uh, at the rate of $100 million every two years. So I'm very proud of what the state of Texas is doing. And the it's just sobering, Deacon Mike, it's it just sobering to think of those children who are allowed to be born, who are are growing up, sometimes placed for adoptions, sometimes raised by their biological parents, and uh, that they are now going into first grade, second grade, graduating from high school, becoming citizens of this great state. Uh, that is very sobering to think of all those babies who are alive because of the efforts of the pro-life movement. And this, too, is something that we tend not to talk about, is that every one of these potential abortions is also a potential graduate, a potential senator, a potential doctor, a potential engineer. We're... Never talking yes, about that. Absolutely, yes. The the um, well, the the good the good Aggies, the graduate of Texas A and M, the <laughs> the great the great uh, plumbers, the you know all of these members of society that we need, and um, abortion steals those from our society, um, and it's so unnecessary. Texas is a very welcoming state. We have some what is. Uh, the number of people moving here is incredible because it's a great state. It's a great society. It's a very welcoming society, and these babies are welcomed. The tragedy is when a woman is not aware of the alternatives to abortion, 
that there are these agencies that want to help her, that there are these programs that want to help her. The Gabriel Projects in churches, fantastic, the work that they do. And um, that is um, that is something that not all of these women uh, know about. And one of the great tragedies for me is when a woman seeks an abortion because she feels the pressure is too great, the boyfriend's pushing her into her, the... the um, circumstances, the economic circumstances, that um, she just feels she has no other choice. And we want her to know that there are alternatives, that adoption is a very real, op- realistic option. And too few women who have a unplanned pregnancy um, consider that as a viable option, even though it may be the best option for her and for the baby and, of course, for the adoptive family. There are alternatives to abortion, and it's a tragedy when women are not aware of those and seek abortion. Because I've never met a woman who sought abortion because it was her first choice. It was frequently out of an act of desperation. Again, I want to remind our listeners, we're talking to Dr. Joe Poyman, the founder and executive director of the Texas Alliance for Life. Now, there's one other thing I wanted to talk about, and that is... There is a case from the state of Mississippi that is going to be taken up by the Supreme Court of the United States. Would you tell us a little bit about why this is important? Oh, that is very exciting. The Supreme Court has agreed to take a case out of Mississippi in which the state of Mississippi passed a ban on abortions at 15 weeks. That's before the time Roe versus Wade and Planned Parenthood v. Casey allow states to ban abortions. Uh, and um, the, the, uh, not only has the Supreme Court agreed to take that case, they are actually going to reconsider the entire basis of Roe versus Wade. They're going to consider whether, whether any ban on abortions before viability is constitutional. So that means that they could potentially overturn in whole or in part um, the, whether the um, whether uh, Roe versus Wade is is um, needs to stand, whether any state can like Texas could protect unborn babies before viability. In preparation for that, the state of Texas did pass the Human Life Protection Act. Pro-life Governor Greg Abbott signed that into law. And that is a law that will protect unborn babies to the extent permitted by the Supreme Court when they overturn Roe v. Wade. Now, as I said, the Supreme Court has agreed to take that to take that case. Um, they will have oral arguments in Washington in D.C., either online or in person. We're not sure how they're doing things these days with COVID. And uh, that will be sometime this winter. And we expect them to issue an opinion and a decision uh, at uh, the end of their term, which is in uh, late June or early July of 2020. So there's a lot of possibility there. We're very optimistic that they will take a fresh look at Roe versus Wade and allow Texas to begin protecting unborn babies as early as conception, fertilization, which we all know is when human life comes into being when all our lives came into being at conception. So that is our hope. Now, one of the things that I found interesting when I was uh, 
looking at this case from Mississippi is that the pro-abortion lobby was highly upset when Mississippi changed the parameters of their case from a fairly narrow view of this to the broader one that Roe v. Wade is uh, unconstitutional to begin with. And yes, that was that had they had <laughs> the abortion people were very dismayed by that and very critical of that we are delighted because that's the question they need to address. Can states can this decision go back to the states and let the state of Texas uh, make a decision based on how uh, we wish and we hope every state will want to protect unborn babies. I'm sure some states will not want to do that, even if they get the option, uh, the, attorney, the option to do it. But here in Texas, with 29 million people, the second most popular state, we are hopeful that the Supreme Court will allow Texas to protect unborn babies. And if we do, and if our law goes into effect, I think that will be a beacon for the rest of the country, because many states look to Texas for how we uh, protect unborn babies. And um, as as many states change and as things change in the United States, we hope that many nations across the the uh, world will look to to the United States and uh, and begin protecting unborn babies if they're not already doing that. Or in the case of, you know, many places in Latin America or Africa, they are protecting unborn babies from abortion, and they will continue to do so as Texas and the United States increase protections. So what we do in Texas, I think, can have a profound effect throughout the country and even the world. That's why what's happening here is so important. But it's also sobering that Texas is not the only state that is out there fighting for life on a legislative and a legal side of things. Uh, for instance, Mississippi, Alabama, and some of these states that have made efforts in this, even some of them that have been struck down by the courts. But the effort is there to continue to use common sense to foster these positions till we finally find one that the Supreme Court can take up and uh, rule on and do away with this silly notion of a right to privacy, meaning you can have an abortion. Yes. You know, we don't know how uh, what God's plan is. But uh, daily prayer is pretty important. And uh, he is using this ban on abortions at 15 weeks out of Mississippi as the vehicle for the Supreme Court to re possibly rethink the terrible Roe v. Wade precedent, which ties the hands of the legislatures to ban the vast majority of abortions, to protect the vast, vast majority of unborn babies who are now dying from abortion daily. So we don't know what his plan is. Um, we are prayerful and hopeful that there's big change coming. And when it does, we think that um, that the second side of the pro-life movement, the compassionate alternatives to abortion, will be there and help any woman who is in need of, of, of any, any woman with an unplanned pregnancy with whatever need she has. We're down to about six minutes on the interview. So before we uh, wrap things up, there's a couple of things I wanted you to talk about. And the first is, of course, what is it that you're working on right now? 
as far as what is the next thing on your agenda? <laughs> they, uh, well, we're getting uh, a lot of people who want to know about this Texas Heartbeat Act, what its effect is, and it is ongoing. It's changing minute by minute as the courts are make these rulings. Um, we have a couple events that we want to tell your listeners about, and the principal one is the the um, Texas Rally for Life. That's a wonderful event in Austin. Texas Alliance for Life and about 50 other organizations put that on every year. This this next one will be on the anniversary of, of Roe v. Wade on Saturday, January 22nd, 2022. The Texas Rally for Life, that is extremely um, important because we need thousands of people in Austin to show our elected officials, the media, and indeed the Supreme Court, that Texas is pro-life. It's a great event. We need to mark mark our calendars uh, Saturday, January 22nd. Um, great speakers. It's a family event, and we usually get buses from all over the state of Texas to come, and it would just be great to see folks from your your listening audience there, too. Um, we Texas Alliance for Life has a really good event coming up, and it is um, the Texas our, our annual benefit dinner, which is on Saturday, October 2nd, I think you're going to recognize the speaker. Our principal speaker is Sean Carney, uh, the yes. CEO and president of 40 Days for Life. Um, hometown hero, we want him You know, from the state of Texas. He is uh, just a great speaker. Give us an update on how one of the most influential pro-life organizations in the world is uh, what they're up to. That's 40 Days for Life. Of course, their headquarters from the entire world effort is there in in uh, Bryan, Texas. So we are um, we're really excited about that. That's on Saturday, October 2nd. We have information on our website, which uh, I'd like to give out. That is TexasAllianceForLife.org. TexasAllianceForLife.org. And you can make reservations. Um, it's a very important fundraiser for us, so we're ha- happy to have people come. And we usually do have a lot of people from around the state. It's a great event. It's at the Hilton Austin. Treat yourself to a great evening in Austin and um, uh, not, not too far away from your listening audience. Love to have you there. Now, if someone can't make it to the fundraiser, can they still support the Texas Alliance for Life from your website? Yes. Yes, you can. Well, first of all, that event is going to be broadcast live on the Internet, so you're going to want to catch that. But um, if if people are inclined, you can sign up to be a volunteer. You can sign up to make up a donation. It's all at TexasAllianceForLife.org. Very good. Now, as we're wrapping up, we're down to three minutes of... You have done such wonderful work, uh, you know, lobbying the legislature. And uh, again, you mentioned, you know, the support of, from the grassroots is vitally important for this. What can our listeners do when these things come up to help you as far as calling their senators and uh, congressmen and things like this? Oh, absolutely. Um, yes. Well, on our website, TexasAllianceForLife.org, you can you can sign up to um, quote unquote join us. That's getting on our mailing list, and we will send you the every all the information you need at the right time to make uh, a, a call or an email to your state senator, your state representative, your congressman, um, and um, to help that person know that 
that um, it's important to support these pro-life bills. Again, that has been the strength of the pro-life movement. That's been the strength of Texas Alliance for Life's lobby efforts, and uh, we really appreciate that. Some, something people don't realize how important that is and how easy it, it is to do, and we make that easy. We put all the information you need right in the email, so a couple of clicks or a phone call, and you have registered your support, and that's enormously helpful. And, of course, for all our listeners, one of the best things we can do is pray for the success of the efforts of the Texas Alliance for Life for 40 Days for Life and the efforts of our legislators and senators that are pro-life and that are working to put an end to this horrendous plague of abortion that we have in our country. Yes, the prayer is so important. And um, prayers for for the, the swift end for the abortion uh, of, of legal abortion in this country and for alternatives to abortion and for all those unforeseen things that, that you know, that Satan puts up in, as roadblocks to all, all the pro-life organizations. Um, those prayers are really appreciated. Dr. Poyman, I want to thank you for being on the show today. I think this was a wonderful program just to make people aware, which we normally don't hear in the news, that the pro-life movement is extremely successful in the state of Texas. And again, thank you very much for being here. Thank you, our audience, for tuning in today. Next week, Gene Wilhelm will be your host for the Red Sea Roundup. Remember to tune in for that. Until then, when considering the many ways in which you might share your time, talents, and treasures with the people of God, always round up. And talking